Welcome to Masala PTI with your hosts, Ravi and Arvind. Pardon these Indians as they take you on a unique and wild ride around the world of sports. Welcome to another edition of uh, Masala PTI Boys and Girls. This is Aravind. I'm here with my partner in crime, Ravi. Ravi, uh, before we jump into the Phoenix Suns uh, basketball euphoria, I was going to remind you, today was one of the most exciting days in the Suns calendar for years and years and years. Can you guess what it is? Hmm, interesting. I am drawing a blank. So today is the NBA lottery. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sad it was a sad story for about 10 years. This was one of the most exciting days in my NBA calendar at least because we were all interested in seeing where the Suns landed. They just spent way too many years on the lottery, but Thank God today we have better things to talk about, like the Western Conference Finals. So the Suns are in the Western Conference Finals, and not only that, they are leading 1-0. And it was a pretty efficient, well-executed win on Sunday. What did you think of the game on Sunday? Let's start there. Yeah, I think efficient and well-executed are exactly the phrases, especially to uh, describe the Suns' offense in Game 1. Right. Uh, see, on defense, uh, there were two things that kind of concerned me uh, with game one, but I'll come to that in a bit. But on offense, I thought we didn't miss a beat. Uh, mm-hmm. Not a big believer in kind of retrospective stats, but the fact that uh, we only had seven turnovers uh, with and that too without CP3, I think was a huge testament to how efficient we were on offense. And then, of course... When the need arose, uh, Booker just took over. And from that point on, it became like a one-man mission from an offensive perspective. Right. The two, the two things that did concern me, Arvind, was on defense. It felt like there were specific plays where the guys just took those plays off. Uh, like, for example, literally the last three that uh, the Clippers yeah. made, it, we had two chances for just rebounding the ball and closing the game out. And... We gave up two offensive rebounds, so therefore two additional three-point attempts. That was, and the Suns don't play that way anymore, right? I mean, they don't. They literally do not take plays off, and so that True. was that was one. And the second thing was in the last three minutes, in general, you kind of you could see that they were missing Paul's calming influence in the game. Yeah, that's when he usually takes over, right? It kind of makes sense that he they missed him. If they missed him, it was during that stretch because he kind of becomes super aggressive in some games during that stretch. And uh, he literally goes, finds a spot and takes shots or, you know, you know, passes to the open guy and things like that. Uh, part of it also, I thought, Ravi, was just them. It looked like they had the game in the bag, right? And I felt like they relaxed and then Clippers uh, are pretty dangerous with the three-point shot. So they kind of made it a little too close for comfort. I felt like... Yeah, I mean, the alarm bells didn't necessarily go off. But to your point, this Clipper team is a is going to be a pain, right? I mean, they're small ball. They've discovered the small ball through the playoffs and they just absolutely demolished the Jazz, especially in game five and six with that. And the Jazz just 
went down with Gobert, right? They just wouldn't take him out. And I was happy. Uh, a lot of people have made this point that I also noticed that Aiton is, is obviously a different player than Gobert. He may not be as good defensively, but really they cannot exploit him the same way. He's more athletic, he's more mobile, and he can also hurt them offensively. I think I, I was happy that that aspect of it kind of played out the way we would have liked to as Suns fan. Agreed completely. And, you know, uh, in, in the way uh, the Clippers have transformed themselves in order to match up with uh, the Jazz by going small ball has made them into the exact team that I was worried about the Jazz being if they had reached the conference finals. Like when I remember in our last pod, you had asked me who amongst the Clippers or the Jazz would I prefer to face as a Suns fan. And I had said the Clippers because I was worried about the Jazz basically bombarding from three-point land. Unfortunately for us, that's exactly what the Clippers are doing now. Exactly. So the Clippers are actually, they have amazing three-point uh, numbers, yes. right? Throughout the yes. season, they have been consistent with that. I was hoping that in the playoffs, it will kind of disappear, but it has not. Uh, it has only gotten better with their small ball and all of that. With all that said, uh, I think we spoke about this uh, uh, you know, offline that basically with or without Kawhi, uh, 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 even without Chris Paul, uh, I was not really scared of this Clippers team in game one. Obviously, you know, as far as game one goes, there was no Kawhi anyways, right? So without Chris Paul, I was not uh, really scared of this game. And Chris Paul is going to be back. He's unfortunately not tonight for game two, but definitely I'm hoping game three. So I think they should take care of them, uh, even though Clippers have every, uh, you know, weapon to make it as uncomfortable as they can. I believe uh, the Suns, like you mentioned, their efficiency and simplicity on offense combined with, you know, pretty competent defense. Uh, I think they should take care of them. Do we, do, are you comfortable with five or six games? I don't think it's going seven. Uh, <laughs> so, assuming Chris Paul comes back for game three, irrespective of what happens today, I think the Suns win it in five. So even oh, assuming nice. even assuming we are at one and one after today, Good. I still think just the ingestion of Paul. Uh, I think they they might. I mean, they they have every chance of sweeping LA in LA, uh, and then coming back and winning Game Five. So to me, that's basically what I feel. If Paul comes back, if now if there is any chance he misses Game Three as well, to me it could go six. But I agree with you. I don't see this going seven. Uh, but there is a very clear distinction in the quality of the two teams, and uh, I know I've, you know people have been getting wowed by what the Clippers did against Utah, but the Suns are not the same team. Right, they're not, and I I think it, it sometimes I have to kind of pinch myself for me like we are talking about the Suns in the Western Conference Finals. Not only that, we are so comfortable in saying they are going to be in the you know, NBA finals, they're going to win the series. Uh, th that's just amazing transformation. What do you trace it back to? Let's let's step back a little bit and enjoy this moment, if you will. Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, you know, James Jones getting the executive of the uh, year award, congrats to him. Full, full, uh, uh, you know, credit goes to him on all the moves he has done over the last couple of years. But it's almost like a switch was flipped during the bubble, right? Just yeah. before the bubble. 
Uh, I'm still trying to put a finger on what really transformed the Suns team aside from Monty Williams. Is it just the younger guys, especially Michael Bridges and Aiton, taking that step up during the downtime? Uh, is it just them being in a red state and maybe they worked out a little bit more than California teams? I don't know what it is. Something happened before, you know, the bubble after the pandemic. And since then, they've been just an amazing story. Agreed. And it's interesting you talk about the bubble because coincidentally, just before we got onto this spot today, I was watching an old clip, actually a clip after the Suns won their eighth game at the bubble. So I was listening or watching Monty address the team and telling them how proud he was, irrespective of what happened with that evening's game between the Nets and whomever they played. If you remember, the Suns yes. were ho- hoping for something to happen for them to make the playoffs. But he was talking about, irrespective of that, he was... Yeah, really I proud. believe, not to interrupt you, but I believe did Portland beat the Nets on the last uh, on a exactly. game winner, I think. I think Karis Lavert could have ended it, actually. for yeah. And then he missed that buzzer beater or something like that for the Nets. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, and, and the thing that really appealed to me was what Mon- Monty said at the end, which is, I am proud of you for the fact that you've gained respect amongst the league, but the next step is for us to now control our own destiny. So, let's not depend on other things to happen for us to kind of continue to do well. And I think that, uh, I know it sounds corny, but to me, that mood, that ethos seems to have transcended into each and every member of the team. So, yeah. to me, it all started there and then you basically, oh, by the way, up the ante a little bit in terms of point guard skills a few notches by bringing <laughs> in one of the five best point guards of all time. You obviously cannot go wrong. Except, right. except the thing that also is important there, I feel, is that for the first 15 games, the Paul Booker being on the court at the same time wasn't really working well. In fact, if you remember... When they were on the floor together, the Suns had a net minus. True. And, and we were 7 and 8 in terms of wins and losses. But the fact that everyone just suspended their egos, decided to just, you know, do what is right for the team. I think all of those things have added to it. But I think it starts from having Monty up top, the bubble going 8 and 0. Oh, everything started from there, I feel. Right, exactly. I mean, so Chris Paul is getting a lot of flowers for this, and he probably should. I'm sure there's a, aside from his game, uh, probably his leadership, him just constantly talking to Aiton and all of that helps too. Uh, but you're right. Initially, it looked like I, I felt like Booker was more affected by by the new, you know, layout, and also they were running less and all that, right? Yeah. With Chris Paul, Chris Paul, you know. Offenses are always methodical. They don't run up and down. So, and then they they were winning, but they were not, we, we didn't know what was going on in the backcourt in terms of the flow. Then they figured that out as well. Now they're, you know, fantastic, actually. Uh, more efficient than fun, whereas for years and years and years, Suns basketball was the opposite, right? Uh, just a lot of fun to watch. And at the end of the day, they wouldn't even make it to the, Western Conference Finals, even in Nash peak Nash years, right? We didn't make a lot of WCF. You know what I mean? Like yeah, we were just yeah. had our tongues out watering for these moments. Now it's just organically happening. And Booker was fantastic, like you mentioned in game one. 
Uh, he was just, you know, the first Western Conference Finals game, and he has a triple double. And I wanted to ask you this. So now it's we live in this, you know, hot take society, and and what have we done for me lately, right? So now he's finally, finally in his sixth season, he's getting his flowers, right? I've always been a big fan of his. Obviously, maybe we are biased, maybe we are not, but I never understood the Booker slander. It's not like you know. Like like we mentioned in the previous part, he was playing with Dragon Bender and Josh Jackson. Like I don't know what he was supposed to do. So now it has completely flipped, right? So Stephen A. Smith is saying he's the next Kobe. Yeah, and that's right. Bill Simmons is saying he's the best shot maker from any spot on the floor after Kevin Durant. And you know, even Ryan Russell has to push back and say, "Hey, are you sure he's?" Better than Steph, Steph uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so what do you what do you think about where his uh, 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 you know reputation is right now? I think a lot of it is well deserved, but I do want to say sometimes, hey guys, pump the brakes because the same guys will be back next week if they lose to the Clippers and talk some garbage, right? Exactly. <laughs> and then, so I'll start there. I'll, I'll start with your last <laughs> comment. I would say that three games ago. uh people in the media were very clear and very you know emphatic in stating that Donovan Mitchell is the next you know young star and Booker is great but it helps to have Chris Paul by his side right right now what has happened is since then Donovan Mitchell unfortunately i think injured his ankle ended up losing losing two games to the clippers without kawai and booker had one of Uh, you know what would only be defined as a superhuman game in game 1 and all right. of a sudden as you say steven a says uh, he's the next kobe um, even skip bayless says that he, he as a clippers fan is more scared of uh, booker than he was uh, than he was of uh, luka or mitchell and to me all of this to your point feels like a very point in time feedback right i mean depending on what has happened in the previous day the previous week etc yeah Yeah uh, so, so so that is the negative on the other end i think i almost feel like these are just desserts for all that this this player has taken for the last 6 years right i mean being called a garbage scorer or scoring right. like you know for a crappy team and never you know he's a he's a he's a selfish player who make gets his points but never leads the suns to anything and to me that is bullshit because of one reason and one reason alone which is that any time you put him with a serviceable point guard he has been fantastic yeah. right i mean and it's it all started with rubio actually the exactly rubio they tried season, that they had the i same idea last year it didn't quite work out to the extent that it is it has worked out this year obviously paul over rubio is a big difference yeah exactly so being able to play counter to a really reliable ball handler and which we have seen in the last two years coupled with his ability to kind of soak in learning right i mean i'm sure he has learned a lot on ball handling on managing games from the rubios and the chris pauls of the world and that's what you got to see in game 1 where i was just wowed by his ability to find open shooters more than his scoring right and you know those 13 assists they were not james harden assists you know they were like real you know back breaking you size up the defense mm-hmm. bring the defense to you and find the open man i mean i thought that was just spectacular the way he was carving up the clippers 
It was, yeah, it was a great, uh, I can't wait for to see what he does tonight. So here's another question for you. <laughs> Just we might as well soak in all the angles, right? I have a couple of different angles for you. To, uh, I don't think, uh, I told you about this before the call, so let's have some fun angles. So as much as we all love uh, the executive of the year, uh, the reality is Ryan McDonough actually <laughs> drafted Booker, Aiton, and Bridges. How amazing is that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, obviously, James has done fantastic with, you know, signing of Chris Paul, Cam Johnson. Um, anything else I'm missing? Those are the is probably his two best moves, right? I mean, uh, Jay Crowder? I, yeah, yeah. I would add Crowder to that list. Okay, yeah. So, well-deserved, right? Yeah. But how about Ryan McDonough actually is the guy who brought in uh, Booker, uh, Aiton, and Bridges. Now, of course, he missed on a bunch of people. Maybe we should mention that. That's why he's not employed, actually, right? If he had hit on, like, Bender and Jackson and Marquis Chris and all that, he would probably be winning the executive of the year right now. But my question is, does he deserve any flowers, Ravi? Well, much of credit are we willing to give uh, Ryan McDonough, who was there for years, and a very, very mixed bag, right? Did he, he probably brought in TJ Warren, too, by the way, which is not bad either. That's uh, right. In fact, of all the names that you've mentioned, to me, uh, the TJ Warren pick by him is the one that I feel gives him a sense of, uh, in my mind, is what is definitely credit worthy. I mean, other than Booker. I think Booker is, uh, you know, you've got to, you've got to <laughs> bow, bow down to uh, Ryan McDonough for that pick. Uh, you know, the problem that I feel Ryan McDonough uh, has is it's, it's a numbers game where I think the three picks you mentioned, uh, Bridges, Booker, even Aiton, uh, have been more than overbalanced by the number of m- mishaps. Misses. Yeah, the number of misses. And the list is long. I mean, Bender, <laughs> a- Alec Peters, Devon Reed, Josh Jackson, Eli Okobo. And yeah, a- Alex on- Len too, right? Alex oh, Len. yeah. Alex Len, Tyler Enos, <laughs> Tyler Eulis. Yeah. I mean, it literally goes on forever. And on top of it, he was also, uh, you know, yes, I think Aiton and Booker, his guys. But I think the whole uh, pitch to pick up Zaire Smith in order to trade him to get Mikhail Bridges, I believe, was all James Jones under the hood. Because oh, James, really? Yeah. You, oh, that's interesting. So James Jones at that time, if you remember, had joined in as yes. a special advisor or something like that. I forget what his title was. Yes. But that was uh, that was James Jones totally being the force in making that happen. Okay, that 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 changes everything because he was in the front office. You are right because if you remember, McDonough was fired just before uh, the start of the season. Like it was a very odd time when he was let go. He actually did the draft, and they were all set. And then before the season started, he was fired in October or something like that, which was uh, strange. But you may be right. Maybe it was uh, James Jones had some input into that too. So that the other, is, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Just, just one other thing with Ryan McDonough is as much as he's been criticized for his draft, I think he's also made some really boneheaded trades or refused certain potential trades that I think added to his 
you know his his track record like if i'm not wrong i'm now totally going by memory but i believe they are the ones that actually drafted uh, bogdanovic the one that plays for utah and then i believe he figured or he thought that they had made a wrong pick and ended up basically trading his rights to sacramento for cash uh, so oh really yeah bogdan uh, bogdanovic the utah the, the bogdanovic that plays for utah I I I don't remember the Suns drafting him. Uh, yeah, I'll also you, check, but I believe you may he... be right. Yeah, I'm checking. It was uh, 2014. Uh, yeah, you're right. You were selected by the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> so, and, and so that's okay. so, and, and that's one that just is uh, you know fresh in mind. But I'm there were a couple of others where it felt like you know he I guess wasn't his brother. in bad baseball or oh yeah it... so his brother if you remember was the guy with uh, on the one brother was in monday night football oh one, yes his yes. his dad is uh, uh, i think is also sports related that's why he, he the, the whole tree is full uh, sports uh, related jobs very fancy jobs this guy was gm of suns and i believe one of his brother by the way is with the cardinals Oh I see okay yeah okay. Uh, Arizona Cardinals uh, so the whole family is well set in the sports world hmm. uh, they're all living our dreams one guy is a commentator one guy runs the NFL team or at least some kind of a job there and then this guy was running the Suns uh, but you are right I think you convince me that he doesn't deserve any flowers for two reasons right he missed more than he hit Yeah, uh, and then uh, uh, James Jones might have had some input uh, at least in the last year. Now, speaking of that last year, when they actually got Aiton and Bridges in the same draft, I'm going to read a list, okay? And yes. you can tell me what it is. It's easy to guess. Uh, one Aiton, two Marvin Bagley, three Luka Doncic, four Jaron Jackson Jr., five Trey Young, six. Mohammad Bamba 7 Wendell Carter Jr 8 Colin Sexton 9 Kevin Knox 10 Michael Bridges right and then actually Sheikh Gilgeous is right behind him uh Miles Bridges and then at 14 is Michael Porter Jr and then it goes at 16 as well they took Zaire Smith who they traded uh, traded right sure so it goes on and on I, obviously this is the draft order for 2018 i'm reading uh to you Uh, it's a pretty decent draft. It may be end up as one of the legendary drafts because there is Kevin Herder who had a great <laughs> game the other night. Uh, Aaron Holiday is in that. Anthony Simmons, the guy in the Blazers bench, he's part of this. Landry Shamet is behind. Uh, what, what? So where do you think he would go in a redraft? Right? It's a pretty loaded draft. Uh, I really love Bridges. and i was just so happy when somebody mentioned few days back that even before the last game that the philly played which they lost to atlanta and ben simmons has become the talk of the entire nba world for the last two days even before that somebody was saying how they would not give up even bridges for simmons right that was before that game and i wow. tend to agree because this guy wow. is much more versatile right he can shoot the three basically which is what today's game is about that's right so given that in this draft order i was just wondering ravi where would we uh, put him because 
Aiton won. Luca is in this draft. Trey Young is there. Uh, Colin Sexton is not bad. So if I were to do this redraft, right? Uh, obviously, Luca is probably one. Uh, I may still go with Aiton two, or maybe Trey Young is two, and then Aiton is three. And Bridges may pretty much be the fourth guy. It's him or Jaron Jackson Jr., I would say. Uh, or Colin Sexton. Those are the three next best guys. I think he has to go ahead of Bamba, Bagley at this point, Wendell Carter, and Kevin Knox. Yeah, I think it's a it's absolutely uh, uh, what you just said, which is to me, I would be hard-pressed, hard-pressed dropping Bridges to anything lower than four. I mean, obviously, he can't make the top three, but I can't think of... You know, if you think of four, five, six in a, any specific order, you probably are looking at Michael Porter, M- M- uh, Bridges, Gilgis Gil- Alexander, Colin Sexton. I mean, those would be yeah. candidates. Or Jaron Jackson, obviously. But for sheer value of what he brings in day in and day out, as well as where basketball is going, you need someone like a Bridges or maybe two of them on every good team. Uh, yes, that is right. He's not a liability on defense, unlike Michael Porter Jr. He has a winning mentality, unlike someone like a Colin Sexton. Jaron Jackson has had injury issues. Yes, uh, the thing is, there are there are there is a there is a counterbalancing liability to every other player player we have discussed. I mean, uh, SGA aside, but mm-hmm. just, I feel I mean. He, I mean, he is right now maybe what the third most important player on the Suns, third or fourth most important player, and that has to count for something. So to me, in this draft, he's probably number four. Yeah, you you're right. So after the top three, Doncic, I Aiden and Trey Young, he's in that mix with uh, MPJ, uh, who's obviously a much better offensive player. Bridges, Shea Gilgis, and two guys who are actually. Uh, drafted ahead of him, which is Jaron Jackson and Colin Sanks. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good hit rate when you consider that you may have two out of the top five or six players from that draft, which is not a weak draft, by the way. Yeah, so, and don't do not forget pick number thirty-two in the second round, Javon Carter. Oh yeah, yeah. But that's not our pick, though. That was Memphis, right? That was Memphis, right? You're right. Uh, uh, so, Suns uh, coincidentally have drafted somebody called George King, which I don't even remember who that is. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, cool. So, what I'm getting at is, yeah, so that draft has essentially been a huge godsend for for the rebuilding Suns. It should have been a couple of years earlier, going back to our uh, Ryan McDonough point, but at least they got, got this right. And now they are, you know, going to the Western... Hopefully the finals, uh, you know, past the Western Conference finals, and just this takes me back, Ravi, to one of the other points that Bill Simmons made a few months back. That how Suns have always had a pretty successful operation, right? For a team that has never won the championship, they have been a very successful, very storied franchise because they have always had these runs. That's what made the last 10 years especially painful, right? Because they yeah. were completely suddenly irrelevant. They were, so, they were suddenly the Orlando magic of the last few years when that has never been their resume. Their resume has been like, you know, maybe they are cursed, they don't win the championship, but they are always in the, 
NBA's consciousness, right? It was Barkley and then it was Nash. And then even between the two, if you remember, Ravi, they were not doormats. They had, uh, they had Marbury yeah. for a couple of years. They had, you know, Jason Kidd. Remember that Jason Kidd and Penny Hardaway was there for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. No, so it, now this, I'm hoping, Ravi, is the next phase, right? Whether they bring back Chris Paul or not, I think this score kind of puts them on the, that top elite top four kind of seed for the next however many years. And I feel like this becomes the next storied Suns team, except let's hope that they actually cash it in with the ultimate price this time. Agreed. And you know what? The problem with a team like a Suns, a mid-market city team like the Suns and like maybe Denver or, uh, uh, you know, Memphis, uh, etc., is you are attractive as a franchise for free agents, for prime free agents only if you're doing well. Unlike, say, big market teams like Chicago or New York or LA, where you could suck for a few years and LeBron might still sign with you, right? That's not Mm -hmm. the case with the Suns. So all those years since their, you know, since the the beginning, the Suns had always maintained a certain degree of success, which is what led the team to be an attractive proposition for the Barclays and the uh, Penny Hardaways and the Antonio McDyces and the Jason Kids of the world, uh, whether by trade or through free agency. But then in the last 10 years, what had happened was the team was sucking so bad and right. they developed a kind of a dodgy reputation thanks to its owner that you had, you know, no one wanted to come play for the Suns. So exactly. It, you know, so, the, so it was kind of plummeting on all counts. And that is one thing where, again, I go back to two years ago where I feel... In, a, in his own weird way, Ubre changed the dynamics a little bit because he brought a lot of chutzpah, like a lot of, you know, vibe to the team. And then Rubio helped. Yeah. That way being loyal. And I think that added to a little bit of that rebirth of what we are seeing today. Plus, he, he really got into that Valley Boys and all that, right? Yeah, Ubre. yeah. He did. Yeah. He, he made the Suns fun again, whether not necessarily in wins and losses, but they became a team that people started talking about again. And then obviously, luckily mm-hmm. for us, wins followed. And then obviously, Paul, for some strange reason, said, I want to be traded to the Suns. Right. Uh, so, probably for Monty, right? Probably for Monty. Probably. than anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're right. That was the frustrating part of the last 10 years is how they kind of fell off the map and they were, they were kind of put in together with these small market teams where nobody wanted to go, right? Even though yeah. I realize that culture has changed in the NBA, but if you go f- roll it back 20 years, it was like the place to be. Like, nobody thought of it as a even a, you know, okay, average place. They actually wa- actively wanted to be there, right? The, the weather and the year-round golfing and all of that were constantly mentioned as attractive feature. Agreed. And then the last 10 years, it was like, oh, and then the, you know, Draymond goes on national TV and says, get Booker out of there, right? Exactly. So that transformation was kind of shocking for us because I think, Ravi, you have a better feel for this. And we might have touched on this in a previous part too. I feel like at the end of the day, you know, NFL is king. I'm, I'm sure the Cardinals rating is high and all that. But I think... That area, Phoenix and the metropolitan areas, heart and soul is kind of Suns when it comes to sports. Without a doubt, I mean, Suns are the native team uh, right. uh, of of you know Fe- the Phoenix area. They are not like an acquired franchise. Uh, 
so that way anytime the suns are doing well there's nothing like it in the valley i mean they exactly. are the number one sports franchise there exactly so it's good to see all of that come back um with all that said what's your uh, projection for uh, tonight i i think uh, uh, tonight we will get a more focused and uh, uh, desperate clippers maybe but i i still think the suns should pretty much uh, keep the you know uh, feet on the pedal and kind of uh, get, go up to oh i think it's a winnable game Uh, obviously and the clippers because they had come back from o2 on two different occasions i am expecting they don't get too desperate tonight i think they may also not have their uh, dials all the way revved up to 100 so i hope uh, suns kind of put them in place and go up to oh what 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 are you expecting tonight i i would love for it to be the way you just uh charted it out arvin i feel a little nervous for today uh i kind of felt this way about game 3 against denver on the road i also felt this way about game 2 at home against the lakers uh mm-hmm. there is just something weird about tonight that i feel uh i've got to be really cautious about so in my heart obviously i think the suns on talent on form as well as for my personal liking i think they should go up 2 and 0 i'm just not as confident as i usually am um uh, just because again as i said earlier to me mm-hmm. there were a couple of times without cp3 on the floor that i felt that the guys kind of uh, took their feet off the pedal if any of that happens and if the clippers make their shots we might be looking at a different game and the other thing is hard as it for me to admit this i think tyron lu has done a really good job of yes. game to game management and switching and yes. i feel he may bring in something different today for booker and booker again you can't expect him to have a 40 point triple double every game right. so but hopefully other guys uh, show up and uh, we get a win i'm just a little bit nervous about tonight yeah i see what you're saying i'm also very curious to see what tylu does tonight because that guy has been fantastic through these playoffs and he has a deep roster and he's not afraid to use it yes uh, he brought in like with DeMarcus Cousins last game and that guy scored like 11 points in 9 minutes or something like that. So he will he might have a twist for Booker tonight. We'll see, can wait. Uh before we hang up, Ravi, what did you think of the rest of the playoffs? I thought that game 7 between Bucks and uh, Nets was just fantastic. Even though we love Steve Nash, I I am assuming uh you know most of us were probably rooting against the super team. even though they were injured uh it felt like a healthy nets would have just crushed the bucks uh it's hard to talk in hypotheticals but that's what it felt like because it took seven games and they literally won by uh, you know kevin durant's uh, big toe or something uh <laughs> that's right so uh but i do feel relieved as 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 uh, you know people as you know at least me i don't want to talk for you but i kind of tend towards underdogs so i'm not a big big market or super team fan and i i'm happy the lakers are out i'm happy the nets are out i wouldn't have minded even if the clippers were out and it was actually utah phoenix milwaukee and atlanta right i wouldn't mind that at all uh so it's been a good playoff so far for me uh, especially suns being the headliner uh what are your thoughts on what you saw over the weekend and especially in the east you know even forgetting about 
the fact that uh, you know my interest in these playoffs has been largely boosted by the suns being in it i would say this year's playoffs has been off the chart amazing by the total randomness of the results and you know you're right the fact that it's almost like a movie climax where you have this behemoth with three top 10 players getting ousted by a small market team and i know that kyrie wasn't there and harden played on one leg and all that is true but still it gave me some sense of satisfaction to see that you can basically create a team organically and not have to right. just, you know loan big timers and expect to win so that was good i was even more enthralled to see Trey Young and Atlanta, man, I mean, that game seven and everyone focused, I feel rightly so on Ben Simmons, but they went overboard on it to such an extent that they forgot that a team led by Trey Young and without Bogdanovich ended up right. winning. I mean, they, those guys are absolutely ice school in terms of, uh, I mean, I think and Trey Young that way has really stunned me by how cool that cat is. I mean, he went two of 17 or something, but still refused to bow, bow down. I mean, and I think he made his last few shots. I mean, they were, they were, they were, I, I was totally rooting for the Hawks in that game. Yes. Uh, I, I, you know, for me, I, I do like uh, both Simmons and Embiid actually. So I was not sure who I was rooting for. Actually, I was uh, probably slight edge to Philly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't mind Atlanta coming in uh, into the you know final uh, circle here because, like you said, these are all organically built teams, right? Even Philly, right? They they, yeah, they spent right. a lot on like Tobias Harris and things like that, but they drafted uh, Embiid and Ben Simmons. It feels like Ravi. That is what fans like, right? There is some. It doesn't really matter whether Milwaukee built its team organically or they just brought in a bunch of free agents but for some reason we are all emotionally more pro organic development of teams right even if it's yeah. some other team forget it's phoenix if as a matter of fact if it's phoenix maybe we would like them to get all the free agents they can right kevin durant lebron everybody come to phoenix but if you are especially watching other teams it looks like there is an emotional attachment that goes with more organically homegrown teams and that's what is being borne out by these playoffs. I, I agree with you. This level of shakeup is usually not common in NBA playoffs. Uh, I don't watch hockey, but I hear this is very common in NHL, right? But this one has been good from that perspective. Like I said, I think I really hope Suns take out the Clippers too because the Clippers... I also put them in kind of the super team category with the way that Kawhi and Paul George got there. Uh, uh, they're more free agent driven, right? They're not really drafted or homegrown. Uh, not a lot of pieces there which are homegrown. Um, so that's where I am. So ready for the Bucks Suns finals. Uh, I would, I do think Bucks will win. I would also prefer Bucks to win because I have some uh, family connections in Milwaukee. Yes, indeed, indeed. <laughs> how about you? What do you? How would you read the Eastern Conference Finals? Actually, I'm more. So I think again, and this is unfortunate for the Hawks that they're never going to be favorites in any of these series, and they continue to defy, uh, you know, what is projected. But again, I think the Bucks are overwhelming favorites in my book. Uh, you know, Giannis will not face 
you know he, he basically will start the series again with a uh, you know uh, from scratch so there is not going to be any of that oh he went o and o2 to the nets and he's no longer the best player in the planet and all that so i think you start from scratch again i think the bucks will impose their will a little bit in the first couple of games mm-hmm. i wouldn't discount the hawks but i see that going to the bucks in 6 uh, yeah same here i i i wouldn't even be surprised if it's 5 actually uh uh you know philly is just a weird team i don't know how good atlanta is especially if bogdanovic is hurt uh they're deep they're offensively good but i think they may meet their match in bucks in any case looking forward to both the series and uh you know let's let's get this one i guess for the suns tonight and let's see what happens tomorrow and hopefully we can connect again soon ravi let's do that thanks so much hey, hey.